I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. to Nuggets Numbers. This is Ryan Blackburn. Short pod coming to you today. I spoke with Josh Eberly of NBA Canada, Hoop Mag, Fansided. He does a lot of great work. He's very popular on NBA Twitter. Uh, has a lot of great stuff that he's working on, so give him a follow if you get a chance. Uh, we had a short conversation today about the Nuggets and just their their place in the Western Conference and individual players and how that's going to work this year. So without further ado, here's that conversation. Josh, how are you doing, man? Doing well. Doing well. Awesome. No, I'm excited to have you on. I know that you've got a pretty good perspective when it comes to the Nuggets of seen you discussing them on Twitter before and and I I know that there's a connection with Jamal Murray. I you guys are both from Canada, is that correct? It is. It is indeed. Awesome. You're currently living in Alberta? Uh, is that yeah. where you, is that where you grew up? It is. Yeah, it is. Um not not a small little country situated entirely around Toronto. Uh <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> As tends to be uh, brought up often, which is which is hilarious. But yeah, no, I'm in Alberta, so Western Canada. All good. Uh, how do you think the the cultural impact of Toronto winning the championship this year was for the rest of Canada? Like, did did it resonate with uh, Alberta at all, or any of the other provinces? Yeah, actually, it was quite massive. Um, if if you told me the buzz was going to be what it was in advance of that season, I probably wouldn't have believed you. Um, we could probably go a lot longer than, than you want me to go on uh, the interest in, in basketball in Canada and how it's been covered. But really, I mean, this, this, that's, this season, the narrative, you know, starting right away from trading DeMar DeRozan um, to building this team with this polarizing star who no one could really – get a feel for and ultimately left them all throughout the year it, it, it vibed and then come the playoffs I mean I, I was in BC I was in Ontario I was actually in Oregon for part of them went watching Blazers and Warriors but I, I mean everywhere I went in Canada there was people in Raptors gear I, you know you go to the Safeway there's people tipping their cap to you we've got this bro um, it, it, it was totally different it was like the country had it for the longest time, the Raptors have tried to sell themselves as Canada's team, and they've done a terrible job in delivering on both that marketing goal and like accommodating fans outside of Ontario. But it really did feel like, at least for those two months, um, that they were. That's really cool. Uh, winning definitely helps with that. It's uh, it's probably been tough for Toronto specifically, just having to run up against LeBron for as many years as you did. Uh, the Nuggets specifically had had that trouble with the Los Angeles Lakers and San Antonio Spurs for a long time. They, uh, during the 2000s, they'd run up against Kobe Bryant or Tim Duncan. And 
when you talk about two of the the greatest players of a generation uh, and you don't have one of those guys, then it's hard to just get over that threshold. So uh, hopefully Denver gets into that position this year. They seem to kind of be a hipster pick in terms of somebody who could really break out. Uh, kind of like Toronto was, though Toronto really had a foundation before before adding Kawhi last year. So, uh, interested to to see how that plays out and where they go from here with Pascal Siakam. But let's get a little bit into the Denver Nuggets talk. Uh, I've only got you for a short while, so I want to make the most of it. Uh, uh, you've you've been watching the Nuggets. You've been watching Jokic for for the bulk of his career. What do you enjoy most about watching Denver? And as an impartial bystander, are they are they a fun team? Are they a boring team? How do you how do you perceive them? I think they're a really fun team. Um, you know, like Denver has been one of my favorite teams to watch for a few years now, um, and that almost predates Jamal Murray. Even even when I was coming up and really starting to get into the NBA, starting to you know work in the field and blog and all that in some capacity i mean the early denver teams that i was watching when mellow was in the league were also fun so you know denver's been a team i've had my eyes on you know pretty much the entirety of my basketball watching life and and this this team specifically last year really started to put some things together you know maybe even a year later than people thought was possible but you know Jokic really delivered um on the star potential that I think a lot of people saw from him. Jamal Murray took a step forward despite injuries. This was a very, very good basketball team that obviously won 54 games. Uh, just some tremendous moments in the playoffs. Yeah, I think I think they were a very fun team to watch. And it's interesting because they were so... I mean, before Jokic popped, there was such a divide um, from viewers on what he was. And, you know, there was... <laughs> There was this notion that only stats nerds thought Jokic was good, and he, he really disproved that. And then all of last season, you know, you were kind of hearing that Jokic and Murray are good and, and Denver is good, but they're they're an 82-game team. They're not a playoff team. And, you know, there they are going to seven in the semifinals, beating the Spurs in their first year up there, and I, I think they disproved that as well. So really exciting team, nice arc for them last year. Yeah, it, it to me it seems... Along the same lines of the track that Golden State took during the the early 2010s, uh, you saw Stephen Curry and Klay Thompson and guys like that who they they were new as well. And and any team that's relatively young is going to be questioned, and sometimes it just takes a little bit of time. Uh, the the Oklahoma City Thunder before them with with their three MVP candidates and a Defensive Player of the Year, uh, they were always questioned as well. So. And and they never they never made it over the hump, but but had the talent in order to get there. So I think there's a little bit of question with Denver with the overall talent. Uh, with regard to the Jokic Murray duo, do you think that's enough to be a serious contender in today's NBA? Do you think, in order to have that be your top two players, do you think you need to bulk up on the role players, or do they really need a third star? I think they need a third star, and I mean. There, there's a scenario where, where Jamal Murray takes the quantum leap. You know, I, I, I think it's a safe assumption that he'll be a little bit better this year. And, you know, going into his fourth season, um, you know, at times in the play, I, I, I can say honestly he was better in the playoffs last year than either of Ky- Kyrie Irving, Donovan Mitchell, D'Angelo Russell. And, but he was inconsistent. 
And so if Murray finds a little bit more consistency to his game, you know, he'll be on the cusp of an all-star level type player, and that's great. But unless he's a superstar, it's pretty tough to win the NBA without a third star. And I think the Nuggets really did think they had that in Gary Harris. But, you know, due to injuries and some slower development than maybe people thought, he hasn't entered into that conversation. But if Gary Harris gets back to that track where he's seen as a, a confident piece of the offense where he can take some ball handling duties where he's knocking down shots uh similar to division rival cj mccollum then i think that is enough but but if it doesn't come from harris the nuggets aren't pigeonholed i mean they made some smart moves they do have some good role players you saw guys like malik beasley take a step forward last year um uh michael porter jr is coming back so i mean they have some options to find that third big piece but i i do think they need it from someone a lot of a lot of talk has come up about Bradley Beal. Uh, he seems to be the next star that is kind of on track to be traded. Uh, prior to his free agency in 2021, uh, the Washington Wizards probably need to come to terms with that at some point. Um, I, I have a, a couple questions about a Bradley Beal fit in Denver, just because Gary Harris does a lot of the things that a team with Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic need. Um, he's an excellent defender. He's a good off-ball player. He's willing to take more of a backseat role in terms of those sorts of matchups. Uh, not as important to be marketed as a major star but as you said, there's there's a very strong possibility that Denver just needs an added talent boost, and maybe they hope that's Harris, maybe they hope that's Porter. Uh, it it could be a combination of the two, but but there's still a lot of questions there, and I definitely feel like Gary Harris is the linchpin to that. Uh, are there other players that that you would consider as as trade candidates for Denver uh, in terms of building around a? a duo like Jokic and Murray uh, if not I've got some names to bounce off of you yeah I mean I, I don't know off the top of my head it, it's interesting you know Portland's so committed to Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum because I did think there was a window or you know a, a potential future where the Blazers flamed out they had too much money committed to those two guards Harris doesn't develop and then maybe McCollum's on the market but it seems like the Blazers are going to marry to, be married to those two forever. So off the top of my head, no, I'm not really thinking of anyone. Yeah, the three guys that, that really came to mind here, the first was Andrea Iguodala, who was in the news, uh, not necessarily in, of, a, of a star variety, but just as a, an elite role player who could really affect the playoff picture for them. Uh, he, he seems to make some sense to me. Two others that I want to get your opinion on, though. Jalen Brown of, of the Celtics. How do you, how would you feel about Jalen Brown as kind of the, the third piece in between Jokic and Murray? I mean, uh, this, um, America's performance at the World Cup was not impressive and, and a pretty dis- disappointing showing all around, but Brown was one of the, you know, the bright spots for Team USA. I think a lot of us who were getting up at 5, 6 a.m. Mountain to watch those games felt like maybe he, he needed some more minutes. Um, he's an interesting piece, but then again, it's what is it? What are you giving up? Because I don't know that Jalen Brown takes you to that next level unless you're thinking you need a more athletic, bigger wing to play some honest three. And and, and, and I, I think he does improve this team, but again, it, it depends what you're giving out. If you're giving out Gary Harris, it feels almost lateral to guys who do different things, but, you know, relatively similar in talent. Totally fair. I, I think I'm I'm with you on that one. 
there's a there's a dearth of names at the two-way wing position that that have size like that so those are the kinds of guys that that you look for but but the names dry up really quickly and when you stop and think about it you never really like you never really consider that they're not actually as good as people really seem to think that they are so the other name was Otto Porter uh on Chicago he's he would probably be cheaper than a guy like Jalen Brown but he's in the uh third year of of a of his contract and he has a player option after that but could potentially be a a free agent at some point and depending on how Chicago goes he seems like a guy that that would be a good complimentary forward but again like you said does that put Denver over the top I don't really know you know, I, I think I think the problem is twofold with Otto. I, I think one, he played well in Chicago, and I, I think they do see him as as part of that core next to Wendell Carter Jr. Jr. and Lowry Marketing and Zach Levine going forward. Um, but then also, like I feel like Otto is almost more of a three-four now too. And I think Denver's more in the market for a 2-3. You know, you brought in Grant, who I think gives you some solid minutes at the 3-4, especially as a guy who doesn't need a ton of shots and is there to play defense and bring energy. So I, I don't know that Otto would be greatly utilized. And it's interesting, you know, like we start with Beal, and I get the reservations, and it's a bit of a gamble. But if, if Bradley Beal's in the market, I think that Den- Denver has to swing big because he's just the – the fully, he might not be quite the defender that Gary Harris is. He doesn't probably have the lateral quickness that the Harris does, but he's a solid defender. He's a next level offensive player. His shooting, uh, him and Murray could almost equally split the ball carrying uh, duties, the creation duties, and, and playing off Jokic. I think Beal would be incredible in Denver. I happen to agree with you. I don't. I don't know if the Nuggets are going to eventually go that route. Uh, to me, it, it looks like they're going to try and give this core a go, uh, see what they can get. But it wouldn't surprise me if they stop and consider the fact that a guy like Beal is just a, a super talented 26-year-old guard who they could potentially see in their core long term as well. So uh, either way, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about Jokic and Murray and some of the, the Nuggets individual moves. We'll be right back. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. We're back. Nuggets numbers. I'm with Josh Eberly here. Uh, thank you again for coming on. Uh, wanted to get into Jokic. You and and uh, Jabari Davis, I'm pretty sure it was. Uh, you guys have the the uh, Hot Takes and Shot Fakes uh, podcast, which is a great listen. Uh, you guys do a great project every year, where a very contentious project, I think, where you have the, the top 10 players uh, 25 and under and you guys go back and forth and rank those and and Jabari got pretty mad about your D'Angelo Russell placement and you got mad about his D'Angelo Russell placement but uh, two, the two guys that, that I 
would consider the most prevalent for Denver in that list are Jokic and Murray. You had Jokic at two. Uh, pretty pretty impressive placement for Jokic after being a second round pick and just what he's what he's been able to do. I definitely think he earned that placement for sure. Do you think he has another level to get to, or do you kind of see him as as a guy who's top ten in the NBA in the future, but never really cracks the top five? Yeah, so I, I think he does, and I mean, it's. I'm here to make a lot of jokes. This is basketball. It's not politics. We're supposed to have a good time. And I made plenty of jokes at Jokic's expense about how tired he looked and how out of shape he looked in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. But, but then you you know, you know, look at his box scores in those games. And 25-13-8 in the playoffs. And, I mean, he looked like a corpse at times. He looked like a big mammoth corpse walking around out there. And it's the same thing with Luka Doncic where – they're already capable of so much and for all of the talk and this is almost like a problem with like draft Twitter and scout Twitter there's so much focus on like the traditional view of athleticism how high can this person jump um, how long are their arms what is, what's their wingspan how fast are they in the cone right. and, and right. all of those things are important but both Luca and, and, and Nicola are so skilled that I think it's taken for granted that the development can go the other way. You know, you can work on your skills at the NBA level, but you can also work on your physique. And I, I think if Jokic hits the Pat Riley super diet workout camp, <laughs> whatever <laughs> whatever happens, where like his body fat is X percent, and he comes in and just, I, I think there's just another level to his game when his body reaches a point. You know, where you would expect it to get in the next few years with an NBA nutritionist and trainer. And, and I really think, you know, with, with, with all of the talent that he has now, when he becomes a better overall athlete, uh, he, he absolutely can take it further. I'm looking forward to it. You, you never know what it, what it's going to end up looking like. But uh, to me, Jokic is a guy that he his body type probably is just going to be what it is and and if that if that is the case then he'll probably end up being a around the fifth best player in the NBA but I don't know if he's ever going to end up being the the face of the league or anything like that but he he looked really good in FIBA he, like he looked strong as an ox and and really kind of threw his weight around in that league uh but we'll we'll just have to see what happens and whether he can continue to develop there I don't remember. Oh, go ahead. There's two, there's two things to that, right? I mean, I actually I grew up a Mavs fan. Dirk's my favorite player of all time, and and you heard people talk. Oh man, young Dirk. Oh, he's soft. He's he's thin. He's fragile. Right. And, and Dirk Dirk bulked up. You know, like Dirk got bigger. And I, I'm not saying he became an Ironman, but he bulked up. Like his body type did change. And then I, on the other end of that, you know, you look at Kevin Love in Minnesota. Go look at that rookie Kevin Love. Oh, yeah. Look at, and, and then the man that he became in Cleveland. And it's just like, it's possible. And when you're a pro athlete and you have, you know, the the things available to them that they have, like a personal chef and nutritionist, all this time on your hands. I mean, I, I don't think it's ever the question that we see a, a better physique uh, from Jokic. And, and not to say, like, he'll never be uh, LeBron James or uh, David Robinson or, you know, some of these guys. But at the same time, like, there, there's there's room to grow there agreed i definitely agree with you there uh the other guy on the list or or actually i don't remember him being mentioned on the list was murray and i'm sure that probably hurt you a little bit i i was was he mentioned on your top 10 list i I can't recall 
I didn't put him in my top ten, and it, and it hurt to do, but I had him in my honorable mentions. And, and honestly, though, I, I think one of the things I said in the podcast is it's close. Like, uh, De'Aaron Fox seems to be the love child, next point, bar, point guard prospect that people are really excited about. And if it's not Fox, it's, it's Trey Young. But I, I think Murray is, you know, in that conversation too. I don't. I don't think Trey Young nor De'Aaron Fox is a significantly better prospect than Murray. And I, I did give the nod to Booker and to Mitchell for being a tad more consistent for for having some moments in the playoffs. Sure. But again, I, I think I don't think Murray's there. I, I don't think he's far off. So again, I, I had to do with the, with the sample that we had, but he's very much in the mix. I totally agree, and I totally understand that. I actually, uh, I did a nice art. I I say it's nice, but I did an article about Murray today. Uh, I had done one about him and kind of comparing the Kobe Shaq duo to the Jokic Murray duo earlier in the summer. And so, I think the Nuggets need him to develop in that fashion in order to make the leap as they're currently constructed. But but we'll just see what happens. Uh, if I told you that Murray scored 20 points per game next year, do you think that would be low or high? I'd say low. Think so? I, I, I could see him scoring 22, 23 points a game next year. Um, you know, he went from 17 to, what, 19 last year? He was at 18.2, but he also dealt with, uh, I believe it was an ankle roll uh, during the middle of the season that he was kind of – low volume at that point I mean the, the Nuggets run their offense through Jokic when Murray allows them to do so and um, like and, and that's both good and bad at times but I, I, I think people forget like he has that man, he has a shooter's mentality and the, the Kobe comparison is apt in some ways because he really is a score first guard and, and I think I, I would have a hard time envisioning a scenario where Jokic got more shots than Murray next year. Um, I, I think Murray is going to lead the team in attempts. And yeah, I would, I would say 23 points a game. Pretty aggressive. And I, I didn't I didn't have it that high in my article uh, just because I, I don't know what the attempts are going to look like. But it's very possible with Jokic coming off of FIBA, with Murray looking to take the next step both as a leader, as a scorer, try to become an all-star if he can. It, it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. Uh, let's go rapid fire here. I, I want your 30-second Michael Porter Jr. take. I just want to see it. I just, I just want to see it. You know, there's, this was a guy that smart people were telling me he could be the best player from the class. You know, injuries befell him. It's been a roller coaster since. I, I just want to see him play some real NBA minutes. Me too. Uh, every everybody in Denver and and that follows the Nuggets is just rearing to see what he looks like because the hype machine is real. ESPN keeps talking him up, so we're gonna have to see what happens there. Uh, some final predictions on the Nuggets season this year: over under a fifty four wins. Over. Wow. Over under of. Uh, home court advantage in the second round over I, I think the continuity of this Denver team along with some progression for the younger I think this is they're going to finish as the number one seed in the Western Conference wow <clears throat> uh, what round of the playoffs do you think they finish in Western Conference final that's big that's big time that means that they probably took down one of the LA teams or, or Houston or Utah in, in the process so that's a big deal uh, I'm looking forward to seeing whatever playoff series that is. Uh, is Jokic the only all-star on the team next year? 
Yes, because the West is tough, but Murray's one of those guys that, you know, rightfully has people crying that he's a snub. Yeah. If he is scoring 22, 23 points per game, uh, his his efficiency numbers are up and, and the Nuggets are in first in the Western Conference, I think that that's, there's, there's definitely merit to that, that he could be a snub at that point. And I, honestly, I, I, I really like, I got in on the Jokic MVP odds when he was plus 1,600. I, I think, you know, with them, again, I, you see it every year. These super teams come together. There's all this player movement. There's a rough patch, whether it's at the start of the year or in, you know, mid-late November before the Christmas break. Um, I don't think Denver will have that. They, they are a stable organization. They know who they are. You know, the tiers are pretty clear. It's, it's Jokic and it's Murray and it's everybody else. And, and I think this team can't get much worse luck than they've had with injuries the last couple of years. <laughs> True. Um, <laughs> I, honestly, I, I, I don't think anyone's winning 60 games this year, but I could see the Nuggets winning 57, 58 games, leading the conference. And if Jokic hasn't, you know, 21, 11, and 8, or 7, seven I, I wouldn't be shocked if he won MVP next year. Uh, we'll year, we'll see. It's going to be. It's I've I've done the same thing. It's it's not next year. Now it's this year. We're crazy. It's it's just seven days away from Nuggets Media Day right now. So I'm really excited to see how that goes. Josh, you've been fantastic, man. I'll get you out of here real quick. Uh, where can people find your work? And do you want to plug anything? Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Josh Everly. The majority of my stuff goes to Hoop. You hit my other spots on the way in, and appreciate you having me on. Absolutely, man. Thank you for coming on. This has been Nuggets Numbers, uh, and we'll see you guys next week.